Today we are diving into the book of Nahum, and I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward and bring some Bibles. If you would like to borrow a Bible today to take a look for yourself into this three-chapter-long little book, the book of Nahum is found a little bit before the book of Matthew in your Bible, and in the Quest Bible it's found on page 1364. And the book of Nahum starts with these words, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. Then to verse 6, Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. And when I was reading that in preparation for today, it really caught me off guard. I thought, whoa, that's a big change from verse 6 to 7. And then I noticed the footnote in the Quest Bible, which says, does God have mood swings? <laughs> and I laughed out loud, because I thought, yo, how does the wrath that shatters rocks go along with a God who gently cares for people? And while I was pondering that question, all of a sudden this memory came back to mind for me from years and years ago when I was a little girl. And my family went to visit my grandmother in Aiken, Minnesota. And it was winter, and my sister and I had our ice skates along with us, and we put them in a sled, and we dragged the, the sled with the ice skates along behind us to a little park right by my grandmother's house where my dad had grown up ice skating on that little pond. So we went to the pond, and we sat on the sled, and we took off our boots and laced up our ice skates and had just kind of wobbled onto the pond to start skating when we were approached by some mean girls. You know what I'm talking about. These blonde, ringleted, mean girls knew right away that we were not from around there, and they stopped us and told us that we didn't skate well enough to share their pond. And not only that, our clothes were also not good enough to share their pond. We were unacceptable and not welcome in any way. And we tried to point out there were lots of kids skating on the pond, but they wouldn't back down and they would not leave us alone. And they made us so miserable that finally we sat back down on our sled and we unlaced our skates, put our boots back on, and dragged it back to Grandma's house. And when my dad saw us, he stopped and asked us why we were back so soon. What happened? And my dad is a really mild-mannered guy. He's pretty easygoing. But when we told him what had happened to us on his childhood pond, suddenly there was fire in his eyes. And I was so shocked, I forgot to be sad, because I had never seen that look on his face ever before. And I just kind of stared at him with this kind of fearful awe. And he grabbed my hand, he grabbed my sister's hand, and we stalked back to the park. And I really didn't know what was going to happen if we found those ringlet girls. But by the time we got there, they were gone. And so we stitched up our laces, we wobbled back out in the rink, and my dad stood there furiously with his arms crossed, almost like he was daring anybody to mess with us. Until we were cold, and it was time to go back to Grandma's. And by that time, he just looked like Dad again. And when that memory faded away from my mind, all of a sudden, these verses from Nahum made a lot more sense to me. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Do you know that God loves you like that? That he cares passionately 
about the injustices you face, that he cares about the injustices in this world. As the Quest footnote so nicely points out, if God's anger and his love seem inconsistent to you, it's because we're not seeing the whole picture. Because what is consistent all through the Bible are two things. God hates injustice, and God loves people. The name Nahum means comfort or consolation, and that might seem a little strange since most of this book is about God dishing out fury. And your first impression in reading it might not be, what a comforting book. (laughs) But the comfort of Nahum is when people who need a defender find out that they have one. The book of Nahum is answering these kinds of questions. How can God let such awful things happen in our world? What about justice? What about fairness? Doesn't God care? And the truth is, in the face of all kinds of injustices in our world today, I think a lot of people are still asking those questions. God, if you care about injustice, why are you letting these things happen? And you have to know, there are lots of prayers like that in the Old Testament. God, what are you waiting for? Bring the hammer down. Asking God to speed past mercy and get on to the business of judging their enemies. And I don't know about you, but knowing my own mistakes and my own sin the way that I do, prayers for God to rain down judgment always make me wince a bit. But all through the Bible, though, and in life, we see people frustrated with the timing of God's justice. But the thing is, since God hates injustice, but he loves people, even those ringlet girls, that can make things complicated. Because as you know, it's always people who do the unjust things, right? And out of his love, God wants to give people doing unjust things the chance to change their ways before they have to face the consequences of those actions. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So scripture tells us it's God's mercy that sometimes makes it look to us like God isn't noticing or doesn't care. But that's where Nahum's word of comfort comes in. Nahum is proclaiming, God is merciful, but there will be a day when enough is enough. So believe it or not, that fiery opening, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God, actually was a comforting statement. It was the comfort of the promise that God won't let injustice stand forever. And Nahum was announcing that day had come. So here's the situation. God hates injustice even when it's his own people who are doing the unjust things. And before the time that Nahum was written, God had warned his people if they didn't stop their own unjust practices, he was going to let Assyria rule over them, which basically would give them a taste of what they had been dishing out to others. But then Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, started bullying God's people just a little too much. And that's where we are at the book of Nahum. And next week, you'll hear a little bit more about Nineveh. Nineveh had been so awful that when God sent Jonah to tell them to repent, Jonah didn't want to go because he knew if they listened, God would forgive them, and he didn't want God to forgive them. He wanted to see God bring the hammer down. But as you'll see next week, God knew their hearts weren't hardened yet. He wanted to give them a second chance, much to Jonah's disappointment. 
But by the time we get to Nahum, we see that Nineveh's repentance obviously didn't stick. Initially, they very much took God seriously. But afterward, they made the mistake of seeing God's mercy as a weakness. Why are we afraid of this God who forgives? Obviously, he's a pushover. Now we know how to handle him. If we hear that he's upset again, we'll just drag out the sackcloth and ashes until he's over it, and then we'll go back to doing whatever we want, killing innocent victims, oppressing the poor, life as usual. But they were gravely mistaken about who God is. That God is a God of mercy, but he's also a God of justice, and he cannot be played Where there's genuine repentance, he'll bring healing and forgiveness. To the merciful, he brings mercy. But to the unrepentant, unjust, he brings justice. Whether the time is short or long, it will come. And the book of Nahum, this obscure little prophet from this beat-up nation, is announcing to the bully, your time's up. These people have a big dad, and it's their turn on the ice. In Nahum 3.1, God says about Nineveh, Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. And in Nahum 3.8, God asks Nineveh, do you think you're better than Thebes? Thebes was a town that Nineveh had destroyed, calling them weak. But now Babylon was coming for them in the exact same way. And God's people, Judah, would wiggle free. What goes around comes around. And that last verse of the book of Nahum, Nahum 3.19 says, All who hear the news about you, clap their hands at your fall, for who has not felt your endless cruelty? Now, there's something in us when we see that kind of short-term justice, we can't help but want to clap and say, yes, that bully is going down. But later, even like a minute later, we can feel that that's an empty victory, right? Or we have to say, what a waste Did it really have to end like that? Deep down, we know that kind of justice is not actually God's long-term plan or his desire because God's heart is so much bigger than that. When it all comes down, the takeaway message of Nahum is the bully doesn't get to win because our God is a God of justice. And there are times when short-term justice like that is needed in this world, but God's long-term plan doesn't come through destroying enemies. He doesn't want anyone's story to end there. God's ultimate vision for justice is to destroy enemies by turning them into friends, by targeting to destroy instead what's at the root of what makes us want to destroy each other and indirectly ourselves. You see, God hates injustice. But Jesus shows us God's plan to address it might not be the path you'd expect or the timing that you would choose. On that little skating pond that day, I needed Nahum-style short-term justice. And Dad stepped in and saved the day for me. But what was it that made those mean girls want to be so mean to strangers? To get at the root of that question, to bring healing to that, you need the Jesus kind of justice. A justice that steps in to impact the lives of those girls in such a way that it'll change how they treat the stranger on the pond next week and the week after that. You see, short-term justice physically stops the bully from hitting. 
But will that change the heart of the bully? Probably not. But to teach the child to value the other person, to see their own value, that might. But that can only happen when someone first chooses to spend time and love on that bully until they no longer care to be one. And it takes so, so much longer, <laughs> that path to justice, but it leads to something that's real and good. And if you look to the Bible, you can see that our God has been working on humanity about this for a long, long time to teach us this. Let me explain a little about what I mean. The Old Testament world was a really brutal place. And if you look back over history, that's very obvious. So much so that when God told his people in Exodus 21, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, which means if someone puts out your eye, you put out their eye. That, which sounds horribly brutal to us, was actually, believe it or not, at the time, a lesson in fairness. Because what was happening before then was, if you put out my eye, I kill you and your family. And then your relatives come after mine, and then mine go after yours, and decades of war follows. So this eye-for-an-eye business was supposed to limit violence. God was teaching his people no punishment should ever exceed the crime. He wasn't saying, if someone takes out your eye, you should take out their eye. He was saying, you can take no more than that. But if we want to know what God really wants for us and our world long-term, the long view of justice, for that we have to look at Jesus, where God showed the world his true heart. And in Matthew 5, 38, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, how do we get there? How do we move from destroying a village in really retaliation to your hurt to just hurting the other person in the same way that you have been hurt to choosing not to hurt back at all, to choose love and leave justice in the hands of God? There's a long, long road from Exodus 21 to Matthew 5 to your life and mine. How do our hearts get there? And why in the world do we want that anyway? Because what God wants for this world and what we really want too, if we're honest with ourselves, is a world of mercy and love and peace. And that isn't going to happen in a world of you hit me and I hit you back. It can only be imagined when someone starts building in a very different way. And that's what Jesus did. Rather than delivering back to us what we deserve, bringing the hammer down on us for all the injustices, selfishness, meanness in us, on the cross, Jesus took on himself the punishment, the consequences of our sin. Instead of carrying on the cycle, lashing out at the world for its injustice, Jesus latched on, and he took those sins to the grave with him. And when he rose to new life, defeating hate with love, defeating death with life, he showed us that it's time for a new way. We don't have to live that old way of hate or fear or desperation. That God's plan to destroy what destroys us is to allow, to allow our story to be met with the love of Jesus that confronts the sin and the brokenness and the unforgiveness that is so destructive to us with his grace and give us a new start as a new kind of people 
And he'll do that every time we come to him. Jesus paid the price to do that for us because our God of justice calls us to a higher way. Now, in this world, there can still be needs for short-term justice, for God to intervene, to change circumstances. But God's plan in Jesus Christ is to intervene, to bring long-term justice by changing hearts. And he longs to impact our hearts with his love so that through us, the world may be impacted by that love one heart at a time. And it's the only way true justice, true change, can actually be accomplished. In Luke 10, 17, Jesus saw all of this in the perfect knowledge of God, and he told his disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. God is a God of justice, so ultimately evil and injustice will be cast down. They will lose. And the only variable is whether we will find ourselves clinging to it in our need for vengeance and let it take us down with it, or if we'll choose to let God's redeeming grace cut us free from it and be held by his love instead. See, God's ultimate plan for justice is that in Jesus' victory, no power of evil, not even death, will be able to win out over love. And what God is building in love through Jesus, embraced by children and ignored by tyrants, is not weakness. It's the greatest of all strengths, and it's the only thing that will last when all the eras of tyranny are swept away. What was built in love will remain. And that's what God was pleased to build in us in Jesus Christ, to accomplish the greatest justice, which allows broken people like us to be made new. And when we trust God alone to be God for us, our lives are set free to reflect that love of God for others. His love poured into us becomes the way that love is poured out into the world through us. So how can we be part of that long way of justice in our world today? What does that look like? Well, I recently heard a story about a very small church in Chicago who felt that God was calling them to impact the level of hope and love and compassion in their city. They felt very strongly this burden that God was calling them to do something. So they prayed, God, what, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to impact our city? And as they were praying, God told them, impact the schools because the next generation could begin to see life very differently. But the public school system in Chicago is huge, and this is a church and a really little one, and they didn't see how they could make any kind of difference, so they prayed again, Lord, how do we do that? We're so little, they're so big. And through that time of discerning, one of them had learned that roughly 80% of the teachers in the Chicago school system graduated from one of two colleges in the area. And with that, the answer became clear to them. God, how do we impact our city? Impact the schools. How do we impact the schools? By blessing those who will teach. So this little tiny church immediately started brainstorming how they could bless these future teachers. 
and they formed a campus ministry program for both campuses specifically designed to support, pray for, and spiritually walk alongside education majors. It became the laser-like focus of their church's passion to pour God's love into the people who will pour their lives into the next generation of their city because their mission was to impact the future of Chicago with God's love for every human being. Now that's a God-sized dream of Jesus' justice delivered one life at a time. Now will those dedicated people ever see in their lifetimes the impact that that investment will have on their city? Probably not on this side of heaven. But they're going to see it one heart at a time in the eyes of those that they mentor. And that's what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight, trusting we have a God of mercy and justice who loves this world and is calling each and every one of us to have a part to play that matters in how he's bringing about that new life. And I can understand how that slow investment of this example might not seem like a justice move to you because we're much more drawn to call the short-term bring-the-hammer-down type of moves as justice ones. And there are times for Nahum-style justice in this world when we pray for God to intervene in the circumstances of this world, a justice that says no to wrong. But Jesus' justice is the justice of sharing God's yes, the long-term justice that changes things from the inside out. That's the path that Jesus modeled for us, and it's what he calls us to live. And it's not the quick fix, but it's the only fix because only love changes things for the better, and it takes investing in one life at a time. So knowing all that Jesus has invested in you today, beloved of God, let God be your defender and cling instead to the one who took the cross to make you new. Take a step today into the long road to live your life as a reflection of the God who hates injustice and loves people right where you are. Model the way of Jesus. Choose to give love to the bully. Welcome the stranger. Stand up for the hurting, and you'll grow in seeing just how amazing his grace is for you and for this world. In the commons today, there's a wall, the Just Say Yes wall, and it's filled with all kinds of opportunities to practice that, ways for investing in others starting right here in this place. That wall is filled with ways that you can use the skills and abilities and passions that God has given you to bless the people who will walk through these doors. Because Jesus pours his love into us so that his love will go out with us into the world, but every person who will go out to make a difference was once welcomed in and poured into and encouraged and shown love by somebody else. So the ministry, called Here Ministry, is all about impacting the world by first impacting those who will impact the world. If you're looking for a place to start, please check out that wall today. But also know that God knows and calls each of us uniquely and personally to live out his calling for us in different seasons of our lives. So be in prayer for how God might be calling you to step into this long way of justice, whether it's here or out into the world. Because our God cares deeply about the injustices of this world, he sent his only son to pour out his life through you and me. 
And Jesus started this new kingdom way. He's already done the saving work to show us we have an eternal defender in his love. So how might we honor that love by reflecting it to the next stranger on the pond so they can show it to the next? No, beloved of God, you've got a big dad. So lace up. It's time to get on the pond. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love that you came into this broken world uh, full of hate and revenge and fear. And you started a new way. That you showed us, Lord, that you are a God who cares deeply about injustice. That you care to stop the bullies of this world, but you care even more to transform their hearts to become friends, to become new creations. So Lord, we pray that you would use our lives however it is that you want to use them that you would use us, Lord, to show the world, to show the person in front of us the God who deeply loves them and longs to bring them into a new kind of world. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us also to walk in your way, to lean on you, to renew us every day in that kind of grace. Thank you, Lord, that it only comes from you, but it makes such a difference in our hearts. Lord, make a difference through us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.